Well, hello and welcome to Madison Church Online with Exchange. We're so glad that you guys are all here with us today as we conclude our series, Simplify. I want to begin by asking a question to you. Uh, Have you ever regretted saying yes? Have you ever regretted saying yes? Of course you have, because we all have. Maybe you said yes to uh, four easy payments on $60 tennis shoes. I mean, what was the point of saying yes to that? But you did it anyway, and uh, you ended up paying twice as much for those shoes that you don't even really like that much because of interest. Okay, so maybe that was a bad yes that you had. Um, Maybe you said yes to attending a friend's Mary Kay party. Mary K party, and you walked away with a new part-time job as an independent beauty consultant that you didn't really need. And now before you can quit, you have $500 worth of merchandise that you need to move. Uh, Anybody done that? I have not, but I've known people who have. Maybe you said yes. Oh, this one's the worst. Maybe you said yes to a play date with all of your kids. And in into this thing, about an hour into the play date, you find out that the other family, the family that you're having the play date with, has had just this absolutely horrific stomach bug for the last week or so. I mean, everybody had it. They had it twice, and now your family has it. Undoubtedly, do you ever regret saying yes? What else am I missing? I know that there are at least two or three of you watching who have an entertaining, funny, or maybe even a terrible story of a time that you said yes. Go ahead and share that in the chat room. We would love to laugh at you. I mean, with you. We would love to laugh with you about those things. Now, I was thinking about some of the times that I said yes and immediately regretted it. And one comes to mind so vividly uh, over 10 years ago, Megan and I had just gotten engaged. And if you know Megan or you follow her on social media at all, you know that she enters into a lot of giveaways. That's not new. She's always done this. And we were engaged and she had won some sort of giveaway and uh, we had to go pick up the prize, which was fine and all. And, and we knew that we were have to go and listen to a pitch. And so, um, again, that was fine. We go to this hotel. We go into the basement of this hotel. It was a little weird. I didn't even know hotels really had basements that people could use. And we're into this pitch for, I kid you not, pots and pans. And these pots and pans cost $2,000. I remember it vividly. And we were sitting there for three hours before the time. I'm just furious that I'm here wasting my time. I tell Megan, we got to go. She's embarrassed. As we get up and walk away, the guy speaking used us as an example of people who just didn't get it. We just didn't get it. We were walking away. But you know, 10 years later, I'm really thankful that I didn't because I don't want $2,000 worth of pots and pans, okay? Um, Again, we all have said yes to things. Some of them are silly. Some of them are funny. Some of them cost some money, like maybe those tennis shoes that you bought. Um, but some of them are even destructive. And, and maybe shifting a little bit more seriously here, some of those um, decisions, those yeses that we made are destructive. Uh, I think, for example, um, we have a Financial Peace University small group going on right now, which is fantastic. And it's not to say that the people who who are in there have made a ton of destructive choices and that those who aren't haven't. That's not true at all. But the people who are in our Financial Peace University are paying off car debt that we've already heard in our little small group. We've heard of people who have paid off car debts, people who have cut off credit cards, people who have gotten a budget and are sticking to it, and people who maybe in the past have made some 
bad yeses or yeses they didn't mean, yes to a credit card here, yes to a loan there, and now they have a ton of debt and they're losing sleep over at night. People like you and me watching right now are making the choice through this Financial Peace University to change their lives, and it is absolutely amazing. I love hearing the stories about it. And again, I'm not using that small group as an example of people who have had uh, dumb yeses. We have all had dumb yeses. But the fact is, I want to point them out and say they're doing something about undoing it. And we've all done it. I'm not talking about someone else somewhere else doing something else. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. We have all had our share of dumb yeses. And as I mentioned, we're concluding our series, Simplify. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about how we can simplify our lives and calm the chaos in our souls. We're going to calm the chaos in our souls by simplifying our lives. And during the study, we've talked about how life often feels completely overwhelming and that there's just so much going on. And before COVID-19, before the pandemic, before Safer at Home and all of the restrictions that we have in our society, we blamed almost everything that we felt, all of that anxious, all the anxious thoughts and overwhelming feelings, we blamed almost all of them on things going on out there our jobs, kids' activities, overcommitting to this and that. But now that we don't have those things, we're sitting around at home and we're thinking, man, I still feel overwhelmed. And uh, that's not great. That's not good at all. So obviously, it wasn't something going on out there. Obviously, it was something going on in here. Um, I, I think of some of the things that I've heard a lot of people, right? So home used to be this safe haven where after a long day at the office, you would go home and retreat and um, it was fantastic. And now I hear people describing their situations as being stuck at home, stuck at home. Have you described your life that way? I'm, being, I'm stuck at home. Um, it's not a prison cell. It's your home. That's where you've spent a lot of your money to make it your home. Uh, we used to complain about how busy we were, and now we complain about how bored we are. Uh, I've done that. Um, I think that some people just like to complain, right? Um, but I do think that actress Anna Kendrick said it best on Twitter when she said, I guess I'll never be able to lie to myself about all of the stuff I would do if I just had the time. Can Anybody say it better than she did? I can never be able to lie to myself again about everything that I would do if I just had the time. I don't think anyone can say it better than her, but if you think you can, again, we have the chat room for a reason. We are being confronted by a real problem, and it was never out there. It was never all of the things going on out there. The problem has always been in here, and we're now being confronted with it. And today I want to ask you, what if your lack of clarity, what if my lack of clarity, what if our lack of clarity on what we should be saying yes to is the issue? What if our confusion over what we're really living for is cluttering our souls? Now, every morning, every single day, you and I have um, just hundreds and thousands of choices to make. What will we wear? Some of you have morning and day pajamas and uh, 
than your night pajamas. And that's how you've been living the last few months, just changing from one set of pajamas to the next set of pajamas. Others of you are in the practice of getting up and you're still working out a little bit. You're still taking a shower. You're still putting on real pants before going into your home office. Uh, I definitely recommend the latter, but I get it that some of you uh, who aren't used to working at home think it's great. We're going to just wear sweatpants every day. What will you eat for breakfast? That's another choice we make. Uh, you're going to go Cinnamon Toast Crunch or maybe a healthy option. You're going to go with Fruit Loops, right? The fruit's in the name, so it's healthy. Healthier. Um, should I work out today? LOL, just kidding. I never ask that question. Life is full of choices. Now, maybe the decisions uh, we make about clothes, lunch, and social media, they're not too significant. Um, but we make decisions every day all the time. That's the point. And most of us do not filter those decisions that we make. We don't filter the choices that we have. And we end up spending our energy in a thousand different directions without much thought as to why we're doing it or vision as to what it's contributing to my life, my family's life, and, and our future together. And I'm wondering if you can relate to that. And it's not that those things are bad. It's not that all the play dates and all of the things that you committed to before COVID-19 were bad, but perhaps they just didn't contribute to your purpose, to why you were living, why you were where you were going. And so now we're in a break, right? COVID-19 has given us a break. And maybe some of the things that we said yes to before that have been put on pause now, we want to say no to now. I mean, what is the greater, greater purpose that you are living for? What is the greater purpose that I am living for? It's a big question, but if we answer it well, it can keep us from cluttering our lives with lesser goals, lesser pursuits, and lesser purposes. Life is full of choices, but there is one choice that we can make that actually simplifies all of the other choices that we have to make. Um, The choice is the same choice that people have been making for thousands of years. And as a matter of fact, the story I want to look at today is about two men who made this choice. And the choice ended up changing the trajectory of history, and it's changed your life and my life. Um, And that is hard to believe, but it is what happened. And I'll explain. We're going to go to the book of Matthew, which is the first book in your New Testament. If you want to follow along on your phones or if you have a Bible with you, we'll, of course, post the words on the screen here. But Jesus, um, at this point in the story, we're going to go to Matthew 4. Jesus had uh, been baptized, went to the wilderness, was fasting and tempted for 40 days. And now he's begun really his public ministry, going from town to town, preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near and here. And as he's walking one day, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee when he comes across two fishermen, uh, two brothers actually, who were fishermen, Peter and Andrew. And for those of you kind of familiar maybe with the New Testament or you kind of grew up going to church or Sunday school, this is the Peter um, that was one of the most influential church leaders in all of the world. And so this is his origin story uh, to some degree. So Jesus is walking around. He sees Peter and Andrew and he walks up to them while they're fishing. They're doing their normal Monday nine to five thing like you and I have. And Jesus says to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Now, it's important to explain here. Jesus says, come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. What's going on here is actually a really big deal. Jesus is not asking them to go out for coffee at the Nazareth Starbucks to just talk about life and spirituality and anything else that they've got weighing down on them. Um, That's not what he's talking about. He's not asking them to come donate blood at this blood drive that he's hosting at the Galilean Red Cross. He's not doing any of those things. Rather, when Jesus says, come, follow me, it is a really, really 
big deal. He is asking Peter and Andrew in that moment, at that instant moment, no time to think about it. Will you change the trajectory of your life? Will you make a choice? Will you say yes now that is going to change all of the other yeses that you will ever make in your life? And they said yes. They, they went with him, and the rest is history, so to speak. But that choice that he gave to them is a choice that you and I get to make. And it doesn't matter where you're watching from. If you're listening in your car, you're watching on a Sunday morning, or you're on Facebook Thursday night, it's a choice that we all get to make. And that choice has implications. And the first implication of that choice, when we say yes, we're saying yes to a relationship. We're saying yes to to a relationship with Jesus. 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus was a rabbi, and it would have been very unusual, very countercultural for the rabbi to go out and seek disciples. Rather, disciples would seek out the rabbi that they wanted to study for. They would like have their resumes ready, and they would go and present themselves in an interview to the rabbi and try to convince the rabbi why he should take them on as a disciple. But Jesus was going out and seeking out his disciples. And I think this is one of the most important things about Jesus. This is one of the things that makes Christianity so different from any other religion in the world is that we have God coming and seeking us out. We don't have to put together an impressive resume. We don't have to write up a clever cover letter. We don't have to go in and nail the job interview for Jesus to find value in us. Rather, Jesus is like a recruiter, a headhunter coming and looking for us, seeing immense value in who we are, the thoughts we have, the things we say, and the things that we do. He finds so much value in us and he seeks us out. And I absolutely love that. So if you say yes to Jesus's invitation, um, what does it mean? What's a practical next step in that? Well, it's baptism. And baptism is just the biggest milestone for a new believer to, to make. It is a symbol of dying to oneself, dying to one's old way of life, and coming up into new life in Christ Jesus, which signifies that I'm saying yes to following Jesus, and this yes is going to change all my other yeses. Paul writes it like this in the letter to the Romans. He says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Again, what Paul is saying is that for thousands of years, the first step in becoming a follower of Jesus is to be baptized, which is to symbolically say, I'm dying to the way that I used to live. Um, I, I'm being raised to new life in Christ. It's a declaration. And uh, if, if that's a decision that you want to make today, we're, we're certainly not gathering like we have in the past to baptize people, but there is still a way to do it. And saying yes to Jesus isn't just about the relationship, but it is also saying yes to discipleship, to discipleship. In the book, in a book called Sitting at the Feet of the Rabbi Jesus, two authors describe what discipleship uh, in Jesus's day was really like. They write, to follow a rabbi meant something other than sitting in a classroom and absorbing his lectures. Rather, it involved a literal kind of following in which disciples often traveled with, lived with, and imitated their rabbis learning not only from what they said, but also from what they did, their reactions to everyday life, as well as from the manner in which they lived. So discipleship 
was really intense. When Jesus tells Peter and Andrew, come follow me, he's not saying, come sit in my, you know, for Saturday morning class for a couple hours or my Sunday school this weekend or my small group Wednesday night. He is saying, come follow me. When I go here, you go here with me and we're going to live in the same places and we're going to eat the same food and you're going to witness how I respond to culture. They were really learning how to make Jesus the focal point of their lives, literally by following him everywhere he went. And we're made, we are supposed to imitate him as well by looking to Jesus as the example in which we are to live. And even though he isn't um, physically with us anymore, we can be led by his spirit. And how we figure out is what would Jesus do or what wouldn't Jesus do is by reading our Bible and praying. And I know that that's exactly what you'd expect a pastor like me to say to you. And I'll admit that at times I can struggle to get motivated to open up my Bible or I can get distracted when I'm trying to pray. But those two simple practices will make a world of difference for you when you are discerning which things should I say yes to and which things should I say no to, a foundation of the Bible and prayer when it comes to our discipleship and learning more about Jesus and always working to make sure that he's the focal point. So implication one, there's an invitation to relationship. Implication two, an invitation to discipleship. And there's a third implication, which is an invitation to mission, an invitation to mission. Jesus doesn't just say, come follow me. He says, I will teach you how to be, um, how to fish for people. Jesus wanted his followers to live in such close proximity with him because he knew at one point he wasn't going to physically be with them anymore. And that his mission, the reason that he came to live, die and rise again, his mission was going to involve other people. And so he called them to this close proximity so that they could carry on his mission. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to look at you. I'm not going to look at my notes because I want to talk to you if you're watching this right now. You are invited to join Jesus on his mission. And when we talk about that, I know a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts. And one of them is, well, I just got to invite people to church. And, and that's part of it. And it certainly can be part of it. And it is part of that. But Jesus isn't a used boat that you're trying to move on Craigslist. Jesus isn't a timeshare that you get like some heavenly bonus points or commission if you sell, you don't need to sell Jesus, okay? Again, I'm not looking at my notes. I'm looking at you because I just want to be real with you. You have people in your life right now that God has put around you by giving you the job that you have, by bringing you to Madison or Green Bay, wherever you're watching from. And he's put you there, not just so that you could follow him, not just so you could earn a paycheck, not just so that you could have fun, but so you can change people's lives. It isn't just for a few disciples 2,000 years ago. It's not just for a few pastors nowadays. It's for every single believer. And oftentimes when we think about being missional, we think of the staunchest atheist or non-believer or person who is antagonistic toward faith that we can. And we think, I got to get them to church. And that is not the mission. All around you are people who are suffering and going through things right now. I mean, think about what we've talked about in our teaching series the past few weeks, how to get through what you're going through and simplify. And next series, we're talking about recalibrating our lives. Who do you know who is just having a difficult time right now because of COVID? Who do you know right now who's having a difficult time with trust 
or forgiveness, as Dan and Sarah have talked about the last few weeks. You see, the gospel, this message, this mission that Jesus gives us is to permeate every single aspect of our lives. It's not trying to sell people and convert people, but it's saying that, hey, I see you. And oftentimes the people that God has put around us are people that aren't usually seen by other people, but you see them and you see that they're going through a difficult time. And you take this gospel message of whatever it is that they're going through and say, you know, that Jesus loves you, sees you, wants a better way for you. And I'm not saying that that's how you begin the first conversation with them. But I am saying, if you have never done this before, it's time to get moving. Now, if you're making this choice to say yes to Jesus for the first time in your life today, I'm not necessarily saying this to you, although it includes you and it certainly will include you as you go forward. But I really am talking to people, if you've been a follower of Jesus for months or even years, It is time to start living for his mission. And it's time to start seeing people that you don't see, but that he sees. And it's time to start seeing every moment of your life as an opportunity to fish for men. Okay, the spiel is over, but I hope that you hear me and take it to heart because living missionally is so incredibly important. Saying yes to Jesus means saying yes to his invitation to a relationship, to discipleship, and to mission. But what does all of that have to do with simplifying our lives? I mean, it does sound like I just made things incredibly complicated, but it actually simplifies everything. Because when we make one yes, when we say yes to Jesus, we make that one yes, it makes every other decision in our lives so much simpler. We get a clear vision for our lives. And so when we say yes to this or no to that, it becomes easy because we think, what would Jesus do? What does Jesus want me to do? How am I following Jesus in this? Does whatever I'm about to say yes to bring me closer to Jesus, extend my relationship with him, extend the mission for him, or does it not? This one yes makes every other decision easier. Jesus says, I want you to reorient everything in your life around me. And that is a lifelong process. It is a lifelong process that I'm still learning, that you will still be learning, that we'll all be learning until one day we are in the kingdom of heaven with Jesus. But as right now we are in life and living life, we need to begin to reorient and always be reorienting our lives around him. How will you respond to Jesus's invitation to you today, to the relationship, to the discipleship, and to his mission? I hope you'll say yes. I hope you'll say yes. It is a decision that will change the trajectory of your life, and it is a decision that will change other people's lives. When we say yes to the relationship, say yes to the discipleship, and say yes to his mission. When we begin to say yes to Jesus, it simplifies our lives, it calms the chaos in our souls, and then we take that message out to other people and we help them calm the chaos in their souls as well. In the end, the choices that you make, make you. The choice that you make will make you. And if you choose to follow Jesus, will define you. It will change how you think, what you say, and what you do. And that's good things. Life often feels overwhelming because we fill our calendars and expend so much of our energy on things that just don't matter, that we just really didn't think about. We said yes because it felt good at the time or it felt interesting at the time, but we didn't really add any value to our lives. And we spend so much. We will end up spending so much of our lives on lesser goals, lesser pursuits, and lesser purposes if we continue to live that way. 
but there is one choice that makes all choices much simpler. It's a yes, and it's a yes that you will never regret. It's a yes that will lead you um, to a changed life, to a better life. It's a yes that will give you greater purposes, greater goals, and greater pursuits. And today, my hope and prayer is that you will make that choice today. And if you will, let us know in the chat room, whether you've been a Christian for decades, years, months, weeks, or just a few moments, right now in that chat room, write yes. I will make that decision right now. Yes, I will follow Jesus. Yes, I accept his invitation to relationship. Yes, I accept his invitation to discipleship. And yes, I accept his invitation to mission. And let's pray together.